I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is a very special episode of Juvenalia because we are joined by uh, the voice and manipulator of Bosco. <laughs> since puppeteer. Puppeteer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since 1981, Paula Lambert. Yeah, hi. Right, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is a huge, huge honour to talk to you. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, you obviously heard our episode about Bosco. I did, and, and I really enjoyed it. It was uh, great fun, and it, it was really nice to hear it from the point of view of fans, mm. children fans. Yeah, so yeah like I Bosco really enjoyed it. was the most important thing to me in the world from like three to five, I would say. It was like appointment <laughs> television. Yeah. So, and I'm sure it was for like every millennial, I think. Yeah, I much. think that um, because it was on every day, and um, I think that like Bosco has something about his personality that like sort of little kids really mm. identify with. So you weren't the first um, Bosco puppeteer. No, so. it's it's an interesting one now because I went for the first audition for okay. Bosco and I didn't get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bosco originally wasn't called Bosco. He was going to be a rabbit. But um, then um, a, a, a guy called Joe O'Donnell took over young people's programmes and he actually gave the job to my sister. And she did the first, um, she did about the first 30 programmes. Mm. But then she left and moved to Holland. So I was I was a little bit worried about taking it over, but I soon got um, into the swing of it and kind of made it my own. And with that came great freedom for me with Bosco, mm. the character, like his character really developed then. And like if you look back at the very early programmes, like they were very scripted and like Bosco only came in every now and again that noise is my dog's tail wagging on the table it's a very happy dog she brought me a sock <laughs> that's Molly but yeah so like sort of I got great freedom and Bosco got more involved in the programme because in the very early programmes Bosco really only said hello and goodbye and the Adu Fawcett and that yeah but as the as time went on like Bosco got more and more and he was involved in in every single part of it mm. I mean there was a time when he wasn't involved in the story or the poem or the puzzle or anything but but um and I think like sort of I got it that way because I used to just because they used to take do a take and I'd always interrupt as Bosco so yeah they kind of listened and and then brought Bosco into it. and then they realized that the children liked Bosco more than they like the presenters yeah. really because that's kind of the dynamic because the presenters were kind of like the, the grown-ups mm -hmm. and, and Bosco was the child so yeah I think so so kind of Bosco the whole thing was kind of ev evolved now they did in the very beginning of it as they probably used to like sort of got psychologists or an educationalist I never met one of them right. or <laughs> talked to one of them or like there's loads of people that claim to have have been, you know, come up with this and come up with that. I never came across any of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, like, I think that mainly as well, because I come from an entertainment, a children's entertainment background, I think that that I knew like sort of what kids like and, and the entertainment value of it. So I think that that's where, where that kind of evolved from. Yeah, I guess you would have had a lot of experience like actually entertaining children like as an audience, which is maybe the presenters and maybe the writers necessarily wouldn't have. Yeah. So you and, could have brought all that to and it. And because I become from a very kind of unique background, like sort of my father was Eugene Lambert, who was like sort of Ireland's first 
uh, puppeteer and he was a, a master puppeteer in a way. He was a, a brilliant all rounder um, and it, like sort of his early days was he did a, a ventriloquist act and he toured the whole country. So there is a generation that will remember Eugene Lambert mm. and Finnegan in the pre Wanderly Wagon days. And then, of course, he was really famous for playing the part of O'Brien and Judge, which he used his ventriloquism mm. for that in Wanderly Wagon. But then in the in the middle 70s, he set up the Lambert Puppet Theatre. So this was a beautiful little puppet theatre in Monkstown that sadly closed down last year. Um, I'm very sad, heartbroken about that. Um, so we were brought up like doing three shows a day, mm. like sort of. But I mean, it was kind of extraordinary in a way because we we there were my parents had 10 children and we were all born in Finglas. And then when I was 12, we suddenly moved from Finglas to Monkstown, County Dublin, which was by the sea, to a huge house. We came from a three-bedroomed house in Finglas yeah. <laughs> to a, a huge big house on the seafront in Monkstown. And then the theatre was was the muse at the back of the, the house yeah. the was house? was turned into the theatre. So we got up in the morning and went down to the theatre like everything. And we did everything. We we took the tickets, we took the, took mm. the money, we did work the sweet shop uh, and we did the shows so yeah. we grew up like sort of just being around puppets is just like entertaining completely natural yeah. to you it's just they're completely. like part of your life yeah completely it's amazing so it's um so like it so i i went into bosco with a huge advantage with already yeah. like sort of about 20 years behind <laughs> me in show business because we started in in as children in Orty at the in the very early days, um, like my dad had a program called Murphy August Accordia, which was a bilingual marionette program, and marionettes are string puppets, um, and we worked them like as children, mm. and then we also worked in seven nights a week in Jury's Cabaret doing a, a little puppet act. So yeah. I mean, so yeah, and then on. On on Monterley Wagon, like sort of my first kind of television part was the squirrels in Monterley Wagon. They lived in the attic of mm -hmm. the wagon and mice. There were little mice that lived in the water barrel mm -hmm. and there was a fox and, and a crow. And so, yeah, so so I had a lot so of experience. And that kind of experience would come in and that organic being around audiences, being around puppets, that ease that you would have earned from all that work kind of comes in above what like hard cold clinical advice people would give about children's entertaining if they were psychologists mm. or whatever yeah. like that experience completely trumps it but I, I like sort of educationalists wouldn't really like me very much for saying this but I believe that it's like that and everything's like mm. in everybody's job if you're involved in the job and doing the job is much different to learning how to do the job so I think you learn much more in practical a practical skills. Mm. Yeah. And I think like sort of in the early days of television, all the all the people that worked there came from a theatrical background. Because there would have been no education for it because it was yeah. brand new, of course. So like sort of that's completely changed in 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 all worlds of entertainment now because everybody comes from college. And not in, on the ground beating yeah. the boards, yeah. You know, when you think of it like sort of, and, and it, there's so few opportunities for the way people used to get into television as runners and coffee fetchers or whatever. Like mm. there's, there are very few 
jobs that you can well. get into now. So it is very, very difficult. So it was like, I mean, I'm very privileged that um, that I grew up like that and like that I have a great feel for an audience. But like sort of I, I love live performance. That would be because that's the reaction there. But like kind of with Bosco on television, I knew what the reaction would be because you could almost hear them. I had that yeah. experience. Yeah. That kind of really speaks to, I think, a lot of the chaos energy that like Bosco would have and yeah. the mischief and the wildness that it, like their energy like contains. And um, it, it makes complete sense that that is born of the stage and then sort of like um, bottling magic a little bit and brought mm. into the studio then. Yeah. And it's, it's a, and it's a strange one as well, because um, I'm quite an old fashioned puppeteer as in so far as like sort of nobody n ever knows me or sees me. Like Bosco, oh, Bosco does the show, yeah. the first part of the show. And and nobody wants to see me. I really add that like sort of like that mystery th is maintained. Th yeah. it, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And it's so important. What do you think it is about that powerful mystery and that uh, kind of chasm between the puppet and the puppeteer? Like the. The, the, the separation when the audience never sees you. Like, what do you think happens there? Well, children are amazing because they just totally accept that. They yeah. totally yeah. accept that Bosco is real and that all the puppets in, in the show are real. And um, so there's never any question about that. Like, there would it would be maybe a, a child would say, like, sort of, Bosco, are you real? And mm. Bosco would say, I'm a real puppet. And they'd say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there you fine. go, gotcha. <laughs> now, I, now I understand that. Or, you know, so, yeah, it, it's it's a magic and, and it's magic to, to like a lot of times after the show, kids will come back and meet Bosco. I have to say more and more 30 somethings <laughs> together. <laughs> that would be a big yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> come back and and they talk to Bosco and they're so gentle with him and they kiss him and oh. they never want to meet me. Ever, it's just Bosco. It's an, an, an extraordinary thing, and it is so rare to then have contributed something so iconic to the Irish entertainment canon, while maintaining this mystique as well. Yeah, you know that it's Bosco, yeah. and you're behind the scenes. You get to you get to be kind of free of that in a way. You know, the Bosco is the icon, but you get to. And it's a away. funny one because, like, sort of as puppetry moves on, like, sort mm. of like throughout Europe, the puppeteers come out and show the puppets and everything at the end and I always go no <laughs> don't, do don't tell them don't tell them it's not real yeah I really I, I really don't like it I, I just don't don't get it like sort of why mm. would you break, break the magic, magic yeah. like sort of it's kind of good so how soon did you actually start doing live shows at Bosco? Was it during when it was on TV or was it afterwards? Um, oh, when it was on TV. Was it you were, yeah, were you, like was that something Bosco you were actually has to do? been on the road for 40 years. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you see, it's like it, that's the way I made my living. So I mm. really didn't didn't have a choice. Like, sort yeah, of, yeah. I, and I'm very lucky that I've made my living out of something that I really love doing. So like sort of, yeah, puppetry. And and what I've tried to do um, in my whole life but it's funny Bosco never went away because nobody ever wanted him to go away mm. yeah. so so he's always stayed as part of the show but but I'm a puppeteer so the first part of my show is Bosco and always has been and always will be mm. but um, but it but it is puppet theatre so the second part of the show then is like sort of a story like Sleeping Beauty or 
or um, Snow White, and mm. which is a whole puppet show. But that kind of introduces children to to the whole theatre scene. And it's like a lot of people that come to my shows would be their first time ever been in to. Theater, to yeah. Oh, it was definitely mine yeah. when I saw when I, I saw Jack and the Beanstalk in 1988, I think. 89. Uh, yeah, yeah. Come a long way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I still remember it. I still remember like yeah, the, the energy brilliant. and like everybody was so excited. Yeah. I remember Boss and Bosco on the stage and it really is like a, it's something that, it's a really formative thing, I think, probably for a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's really important. Like the children, I, I, I believe that that like sort of children's theatre does a great service to adult theatre because mm. if they go and they love it, they'll go back. Oh yeah, they'll know what it's about. And and in Ireland now, we are so lucky to have so many amazing, beautiful venues mm. that are are dying for shows to go to them. How far across Ireland do you take us? Um, everywhere really yeah. everywhere that, that it's feasible to mm. go um, and so is it just yourself or do you have a team no I've there's three three of us involved Great. so I have a roadie come sound engineer and then my son Johnny who is a puppet maker I'm not really very good at that part of it and so he makes all the mechanisms and the because they're like little perfect machines aren't they yeah. they have to be yeah yeah and they have to work and they have to they have to be the right weight so mm. that you because you're working always with your arms over your head so they can't be too heavy mm. and there's an awful lot involved in it in so far as that it's the same as putting on any show in so far as that you have you have the puppets you have the costumes you have the sets you have the lighting you have the soundtrack you know it's exactly the same as putting on any show a lot of people don't really realize like sort of how much that goes into it because really like this, the stage setup is exactly a miniature of a normal stage. Mm. Like it has wings and pulleys and curtains that go up and down and sets that fly in and fly out. Well, they don't fly in, they fly up. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, a, it's just the, the miniature of, 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 the whole a, thing. of a normal theatre. Yeah. And the one thing that we really uh, do is the kids really get involved in our shows. Like Great. it's very much participation from beginning to end. Like sort of, uh, uh, we don't lose them for a second. They mm. they stay with the show the whole time. There's nothing that they'll ever get bored with because it's very um, snappy and quick. But like kind of that's experience. Have you noticed well. much of a difference in kids like now, like uh, over the years? Are are kids still kids? Yeah, they changed. Yeah. No, they haven't changed yeah. at all. <laughs> Great. The only thing that I noticed, like in recent years, when the show is over, the kids say, "Can you turn that on again?" Oh, <laughs> that's so good. They rewind but the rewind the video yeah. back. Rewind the video back. It's not even that now. No, sure it's not, not even. Yeah. But uh, I know, and I I think that maybe that children are, are more hungry for things to get involved in because mm. screens are so passive. Yes. So, uh, so I think maybe that's the big difference. So when the, they do get out and, and get to be involved in something, they really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. They really, really enjoy it because a lot of it is so passive. But n I haven't seen any any change. Do Adults, yes, because yeah. they want everything to be so PC and and that nowadays, like sort of... You know, I, I get very few complaints, but one I did get was that um, that I have a witch that was a bit scary. But she's really funny, witch. Like, to mm -hmm. me, she's really funny. And no the better kids, place for kids to be a bit spooked than the really, theatre. The kids really laugh 
at her mm. but they're scared of her but they really laugh at her yeah, that cocktail well. is so important yeah. to be able to find something unnerving and also laugh at it at the same time and yeah. having that experience for real in a theatre is so safe for them as well like it's a perfect a- atmosphere to experience those emotions so like yeah, it's fu- what would it's the point in taking it out and fun you have mm. to have fun the most important thing yeah. so you were saying that Bosco before Bosco was the red haired person we know today was a rabbit. But that never took off. Never took never off. Never took off. So how did Bosco become Bosco? Then it was Joe O'Donnell um, yes. came up with the, the idea. He was kind of a great man. He was um, head of children's in RT and he came up with great ideas. Like he he wrote an awful lot of Wantley Wagon programmes. He came up with the Forty Coats programme. Blackboard Jungle, you name oh it, God, he, he, he came up yeah. with, yeah. Like he was um, a, a very creative person. So, yeah, it was kind of his brainchild. So they came up with the formula. Yeah. I suppose really, like when you look back on it, it was kind of based a little bit on play school. Yeah. Mm. It was the same kind of format, except they, they had toys and like they had through the round window or the square window oh, and we yeah. had through the magic door. Yeah. And then like sort of for years, like sort of Bosco didn't have inside his box. But um, then when when that became like there are very few programs made with the inside of Bosco's box. But yet it's the thing people remember. remember and I think I remember it the most clearly because it wasn't that often that you saw it. It was very mm. like you'd be yeah. waiting and like maybe today we're going to see the inside of the house. But obviously because of whatever way the episodes were rerun, you don't know what yeah. order they're going to be in. It was an awful pity really mm. that it didn't go on and and develop into, you know, you know, the way like sort of the BBC have like Blue Peter that's been running yeah. for 60 yeah. years. I mean, it would have been great if, if like sort of they had you know programs that were developed like that and more money put would you go back and, and do it again for, for television like the same same format same vibe yeah i think i would yeah. yeah 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 like i mean there were very happy days like sort of and and i really enjoyed it um i'd need to have the same control I, like i could That's never be thing. put in a box yeah <laughs> of course <laughs> Because uh, I'm so used to, you know, having that freedom mm. to to do. You so, know, what was I the like. process of making a, an episode of Bosco? So there was like a script. There was a yeah, script. What was the shooting yeah. day like? Yeah. There, yeah. Was, there was a script. So the first thing that would happen, the first part that would happen was that the songs would be recorded. Mm. So um, uh, we'd go into a studio in town mostly, and uh, they'd be recorded. So um, and then. So the presenters used to mime to ah. to the songs. Well, like if you look well, closely, I went to <laughs> yeah, it's like I was four. Like it didn't, completely bought it, completely bought it. A lot it. like that. You know? <laughs> but um, so there was a rehearsal day, and so there there would be sort of a, there were always two programs recorded each day, and um, so there would be a rehearsal day where there'd be a read through and then um, a walk through, and everything would be decided, and then there'd be. We go into the studio and they used to uh, do it in the very beginning, scene by scene. But then they realized that there was much more of a flow to the program if we did it from beginning to end. So Whoa, the whole thing. So we used to do it, unless there was like a, a technical mistake or something. Yeah. That they, but there was very little editing. She used to we used to do it from the beginning to the end, like stop, like sort of say at the magic door and then pick up after the magic door and 
things like that. Yeah, but mainly it ran from beginning to end because it had a lovely flow. A rhythm, mm. yeah. To it when, when they did it like that. It did feel like you were dropping in for that half hour. Yeah. And it was. And, the, and it was going to be hour. continuing while you were gone. Yeah. That's yeah. the feeling. So the yeah. presenters would have to watch like the... Mm. This Max Buds or Gregory Gronjok or whatever it was, so that they they yeah, have yeah. to because they'd have to wait for their their cue. Mm. That's fascinating because yeah. that completely explains the feeling of it. Then that makes yeah. perfect sense that it was all just happening in one go. So I was yeah, I was watching a clip this morning where you did the um the t- tongue twister, and then it cut to the tongue twister, and the tongue twisters added in a laugh to the end of it. Yeah, and then you all talked about the laugh after yeah. when it came back because you'd obviously all watched it yeah. as it was happening which was really it really does add this yeah. something to it doesn't it yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it had a lovely flow mm. to it for that reason so yeah there'd be two recorded there'd be a lot of waiting around which, but that's television and it's usually kind of lighting actually nearly always lighting so lighting is the trickiest mm. part but yeah no they were very happy days I have to say um, and you all got on very well did you you know the, the yeah. hosts yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. They also seemed like really nice because none of them were like dedicated kids TV presenters. No, were they? they were all and nobody like went on to do, <laughs> to do <Yeah>. anything <laughs> with children, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's a funny one. Mm. Um, but I think that uh, it's it's something that I probably will never get in my life because I've always wanted to be a children's entertainer. So, but a lot of, in the beginning of RT, children's programmes were used as a stepping stone. Mm. So when you think about it, like even all the presenters that are on, like Pat Kenny. Uh, Ray Darcy. Ray Darcy. Yeah. Ryan mm. Tuberty mm. worked on Pajo. Um, Pajo's junk box. And um, uh, yeah, everybody started in television. And they came yeah. up through. Yeah, they came up through. That was the, the way in. Um and I think you look at TV three presenters as well. Like I mean, there's so, um, so yeah. So it's, it's so very few people went on to to do. It's very few people that have an ambition to do children's theatre. Really, yeah. it's sort of when you think about it. Have you ever met anybody who said I want to be a children's entertainer? It's usually yeah. as a stepping stone. And the interesting thing about that is like sort of. Producers and directors back in the day looked down on it, whereas really, when you look at it, like sort of the the programs that RT were recording at the time, the only creative programs really were, were children's the kids programs, and they had the most lasting impact. Yeah, as a result, everything else was just camera one, camera two yeah. on a presenter, or go to a film, or the news, or prime time type programs. So the only creative things really for cameramen and that were children's programs. And can you talk a bit about the cutaways, the the spuds and the tongue twisters and uh, how they were made and who made those? They were all made by um, Irish. Uh, like uh, that would have nothing to do with me now that would be. But they were all made by Irish um, animators and that in in at the time. So um, and then the the presenters used to do the voiceovers for them then. Right. So. That's as much as I kind of really know about them. They were just cut in. And cut yeah. Out. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did a Bosco cartoon, which um, I hated at the time because <laughs> I just felt I'm going to lose my job. I know. But uh, there was a three or four of them made. Yeah. So I don't ever know. They never went anywhere. Because I think like sort of what, what happened within RTE um, is that like sort of Bosco was Joe O'Donnell's idea. So then 
head of departments would change and they w- they would bring in what their idea was and yeah, yeah. get you know so it's like the way the Department of Health is run, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it all just gets shuffled around depending on yeah. who's working where at any given so time. So nothing ever gets yeah. progressed. So, yeah. Some of the presenters had amazing chemistry with Bosco. Was that something you could, you could like, sense quite early on or is it something that had to develop with them? Or? It developed with them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's a, and it's, a, it's a hard thing. It's a natural thing. Mm. Like, Philip was just so beautiful with... Bosco I was watching a clip this morning where he held Bosco's hand as Bosco was telling him something yeah. and it was just lovely it was and the sweetest thing and always yeah. look into his eyes and yeah, everything yeah. and of course that created the magic mm. but yeah some of them were much better at that than others and in some of the, the zoo films some of the zookeepers were amazing talking there's yeah. a guy that I, like last year Ray Darcy on his television show did a bit about Bosco and he brought this zookeeper on Jerry Creighton and he, his son is on the zoo programme now with the next generation of zookeepers. Oh. But there's some clips of him and he was just so beautiful with Bosco. Like he really would look into his eyes yeah. and whisper to him and tell him, you know, all about the lions or mm. whatever. And so. what do you think that is, that that difference between people who are good with Bosco and people who aren't? Like people what who do are good with kids, yeah. I think, mm. really. Yeah. There's uh, people who are good with kids and there's people who don't know who what don't, to do with them. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, haven't got it. Yeah, mm. it's just a kind of a magic. But yeah, when that happens, it's it is really magic. Mm. And that's what brings it alive. And that's what brings all of the kids watching and us. Yeah. They it. believe in it. Like yeah. sort of, that's what it is. Or brings out your, your inner child. Everybody needs that. Yeah. Oh, God, really, it's yeah. so necessary. Yeah. Yeah. The Lions in Dublin Zoo definitely believed that Bosco was... Oh, yeah. they were starving. <laughs> watching back was over that, that was clip. Was that quite scary? Oh. Was it nervous? It was. Do you know, it's hilarious looking back on it because mm. it would never be allowed now. <laughs> it would never, ever. <laughs> they were going for you properly. Like. But yeah. they, like... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of the, the those films that have no wire, no bars mm. that they put. Like, I remember making a film with the wolves and I was in the cage. Yeah. And wow. I always remember <laughs> the director standing in the corner with the sweeping brush saying, like, I, you'll be fine. <laughs> Don't, I got you covered. <laughs> I, I got it. <laughs> hilarious. And like, sort of, yeah, like there was, it would never be allowed now. Yeah. To, for, for, to be so close to the animals but, but that's I guess part of that mad chaos energy of it as yeah. well yeah. the lions are pretty invested <laughs> in what's happening you know and like, what a shame to to like lose that like I mean they're, it, part of that riskiness and that tension yeah. is yeah. what makes it again it's that trying to nail down what made it magic is so hard because it's the composition of oh, all yeah. these things like yeah. you'll never see a member of the Paw Patrol telling an actual line to shush because they're doing an interview <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> it just won't happen <laughs> They wouldn't let Peppa Pig into a wolf enclosure on her own, like, you know, and no there was way. A gorgeous bit. I always remember doing this, like, with these little monkeys, marmoset monkeys. Mm. Oh. And we put honey on Bosco's lips. So it looks like they're all kissing yes. one after the other. <laughs> and it's a brilliant piece of film, but it's so simple, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it was, yeah, that, that was, it was great in the zoo in those days, yeah. Mm. Did you go out to the zoo? This is a very technical, boring question. Did you go out to the zoo for one big day and just do all the segments? I or were you regular? Five days. Yeah. Because there was a lot made. There but was. there would be a lot like done in a day, like there'd be 10 of those segments. All segments the different animals. Done. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. With a crew. <laughs> Going in the enclosures <laughs> also, <Yeah>. presumably. It's <laughs> unreal. Yeah. So. Um, uh, so you've kept Bosco's kind of made some very like strategic appearances back into like the public eye. Yeah, like the, the, the video with Dustin and, and been, like how do you choose when to p- 
like when to let Bosco do things like that. Especially the video with Dustin was quite an interesting one for um, us to be involved in. Bosco decides mm. what is right and what's wrong. It's a very funny thing, but I just know automatically. So, yeah, yeah. so that the referendum was about equality. So Bosco would, would really believe that everybody yeah. is equal. Yeah. So and even a five-year-old could have seen so it. So it's yeah. a no-brainer mm. why why that would be. Mm. Or like any issues like that. But but I would know. Like a, a, like Bosco's done Electric Picnic. Yeah. Mm. And I was really nervous about that because I was thinking, oh, well, this isn't going to work, you know. But it, it was absolutely magical. Mm. Mm. It was like... It was like the only time in my life I was ever in on a red carpet in Hollywood. <laughs> it was at the beginning of the time when every yeah. single person had a mobile phone. So when the curtain opened and Bosco came out, it was like the flashing photograph. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so magic. And they didn't want Bosco to be anything other than Bosco. Than Bosco. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so and that kind of proved to me that he you know like people have asked me to do Christmas parties and things for adults I, I won't do them yeah. like I'll sing happy birthday to anybody Bosco will do any of that but but, but it's uh, you. it's just an instinct what Bosco would do and what Bosco wouldn't do Bosco's like will always be for kids primarily I think always yeah. he'll never ever betray mm. betray himself Bosco's self. Yeah. See, it's really hard, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> but that's like I think we we thought we spoke a little bit about this on the episode that we recorded with Ellen. That part of why it was so easy to rem- like to maintain a love of Bosco as we grew older is because Bosco isn't trying to sell out for adults. Like Bosco is 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 kind no. of preserved in amber nearly. Yeah. Like exactly as we remember the television show and and the voice and everything. So because it's not, like the, the the image of Bosco isn't being shoved down our throats in any way ever, we remember it like in that perfectly magical way. Yeah. So whenever Bosco does show up to speak or to um, say talk about things like marriage equality, we believe it. Yeah. You know? Because that integrity remains so taut. Yeah. From be- from the beginning until and now. And it is a really interesting thing. You just I, I just know exactly like sort of what what is okay mm. and what isn't okay. And like nobody can ever say to Bosco that everybody's equal. Like sort of that's Mm. that's what Bosco's about. Like perfect. There we go. Thank you so much, Paul. Do you want to tell us about your tour coming up? Yeah, please tell us so we can get everyone to come and bring their kids. Another (laughs) thing about that is like uh, like sort of in in our show, I don't throw in any bits for adults. Like a lot time. Oh yeah. I, I because I have this kind of memory. Of going to the Gaiety Panto. My dad was in a lot of Panto. My nana was in Panto. And I used to call it the boring bits. You know (gasps) when they used to do the big long political things and everything. And you just to be sitting there. Yes, satire, cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nine, come on. I don't do anything like that. It's just fun. Perfect. It's just fun. Um, What? Your nana was in Panto. My nana was in Panto for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my nana and my pops both did loads. They met at a Panto. They met in Bates in the Wood. Mm. So we're ah. weird one. Panto family all the way down. But um, when you are heading off on tour, um, where will people be able to go and see you? Well, I don't have that many shows in Dublin, mm-hmm. um, but I will be in the Pavilion in Dunleary and the Mill in Dundrum. Oh, gorgeous. The venue in Rathout, and then I go to Cork, Limerick, Galway, Donegal, 
all over. Yeah. Cavan. Yeah, everywhere. Brilliant. Well, everywhere really there's like a venue. Ennis. I love Ennis. going to Ennis. Ennis yeah. is fab. Yeah. And they have a fabulous, like it's, it's such a treat because I travelled for years when there were really horrible venues when you, you know, mm. nothing. Theaters. Yeah. Well, there were no theatres. There were halls and yeah. they were dirty. And now they're so beautiful and they're so well kept and so well run and mm. they have all the facilities. So it is, you don't have a blackout. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Harsh halls and chairs. There, yeah. Like, it's so it's so that in itself is a, a, a lovely um, experience. And I'm going back to the theatre wall. Oh, yeah. which is a magical oh it's a beautiful venue beautiful yeah. venue so um, so that yeah there we go everywhere. thank you so much Paula Lambert this is an absolute pleasure <laughs> an absolute gift thank you so much thank you you're welcome <laughs>